everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Pros Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Sylvester, and I'm on Twitter at BobbyFantasyPro. We've got a bold predictions episode for you and draft and stash at the end of the show. And our guest today is Joe Pisapia, author of the number one selling Fantasy Black Book series and host of the Fantasy Black Book Pod at Fantrax. Joe's on Twitter at JoePisapia17. Joe, thanks for taking the time to come on the show. Absolutely, man. We're getting real close now. Only uh, We're just like hours, it feels like, away from actual baseball. I hate that premature start. It feels weird. And then you have baseball and it counts. And then all of a sudden now we're, you know, back in spring training. I don't like it. It weirds me out. I want the real deal coming on Thursday. Right. And I want to know, like, what news is going on. I don't want to do my drafts before Scooter Jeanette goes out for two or three months. And, uh, you know, what's his name? Greg Holland is named the closer for Arizona. I want to have all the information you can have going into your drafts. And then you've got stuff like Jose Ramirez, which we need to talk about here in a second. Okay, so it comes out yesterday that he might have broke his leg. A lot of people are doing their drafts. In the future, what do you do in a situation like this? Do you just draft him and hope that, you know, you've got a first round value in the second round or do you just let him slide until the fourth? And if he's still there, pick him up. I have no idea, because if this was Scooter Jeanette, if you were drafting right after the Scooter Jeanette news, you could have done the same thing thinking you were getting a value and now you're screwed. Yeah, well, I think with a guy like Ramirez, I think you're more apt to take the risk. Maybe I would say around later. That That's me personally. I'm willing to take that kind of risk with a first-round talent. I don't know, man. It feels like it could kill your season. It could, but also if you get a if you get Jose Ramirez in the second round, I know last night we were recording the Black Book podcast, and somebody was in a draft, and they went in the fourth round, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. And he said somebody messaged him, whoo, man. Yeah, I mean, because basically, yeah, you could get Nolan Arenado and Jose Ramirez, then you win your league. Well, that's the thing. It's... I think I think it also depends on if this is a league for pride or if it's a league for cash. And if you're playing in a league for cash, I think you take that shot because that's the kind of thing that puts you out there and you can you you run away from the pack potentially. And it's very scary. I mean, even I was hosting NFBC uh, for Fantasy Radio last weekend, and uh, that was when Bryce Harper got hit on the ankle, and there was panic in the room because nobody had any information and anyone could go. And he didn't fall that much. People. Were you know maybe maybe a couple slots, but with the Ramirez thing, when you get carted off, that's a scary thing. And I can't blame people for passing. I get it, man. But for me, I'm willing to go one round later. So if he was like you know middle of first or wherever you're taking him now, if he came back to me somewhere in the middle of second, I take that shot for better or worse and see what it is. Would you be willing to do that, or you're kind of a little bit more? I was a little bit more conservative. People were asking me. I was like, if he falls to the late third, early fourth, go ahead and take him. Otherwise, I'm not touching him until then. But you know what? I think you're right in a cash league because you can get a major advantage there. And let's say, same question. Let's say someone goes down with an injury. We're not exactly sure the extent. It's a superstar. Mid-season, do you try to scoop him up right now while the owner's panicking? Or do you just kind of let it play out? Because I feel like that's a little bit more touchy because, you know, trades and everything, you could really screw somebody else over and then everyone hates you. Well, I mean, this is kind of like the Matt Olson question now, right? Like a guy who's hurt and, you know, you're looking at a couple, you know, four to six weeks. And it's difficult because like that guy, for instance, he was dropped in TGFBI this week in my league and I couldn't believe it. And, and I and I picked him up. I don't know if it was just a roster thing where they just needed bodies and they, and I'm like, how could you drop this guy? So I threw fab on him. I don't know if I got him. I got to check. But man, I didn't even look to see if he was dropped. I hope I didn't miss out. <laughs> well, you know, this is why you always got to do due diligence. You know, on Sunday night, you got to flip through every league just to see who's floating around there. But I, I was shocked by that, that someone would drop him and not be willing to wait and I understand certain people is like, no, you know, I want to I want to have ready people. I want to be at the ready or maybe they had too many injuries or they had a surplus. I want all the top 100 players I can get. I don't care if they're ready. Well, if for no other reason, Bobby, just to block somebody else, right? 
Yeah. Like you got to pick him up just to just to be that person. My concern, and I know I was talking with Spore about this on the weekend when it happened because he's got all kinds of shares of Olsen, which is how much is it going to zap his power when he comes back? You know, yeah, okay, he comes back in six weeks and, you know, Pablo Sandoval is a guy we've known had that surgery on both hands and we saw he was never the same player after. You could be cautiously optimistic, but there's certainly a question of how good he's going to be. I'm all about trying to buy low in any opportunity you have on a guy. If it's a guy like Ramirez and people are still worried, if it's a, a guy like Olsen and people are concerned or they don't want to be patient, it's so funny to me, the impatience of April. And it's something I think you can... Isn't it amazing? Yeah. People are about to panic and drop some of their best players. It's six months long this season. It's a long season. Maybe five months if you play in playoffs or whatever it is, but still. Yeah, I mean, how many times have we seen Anthony Rizzo bat 180 in April or Freddie Freeman into, you know, early June and he's batting 220? I mean, Mark Teixeira, the, the epitome of the guy who slumped in April and always started slow and then, you know, if you just were patient through it and some people just have no patience and the season hasn't even started and people are losing patience. It's a long season. If there's opportunities to buy low, I would always do it. But you don't want to do it to spite your active roster too much. You don't want to put yourself behind the eight ball either. But yeah, I mean, the injuries should scare you, but injuries are going to happen all year. Acquiring talent is always the right thing to do. You're right. I agree. Don't be the guy that panics. Be the guy that takes advantage of other people who are panicking. And Matt Olson, I mean, he averages 37 homers per 162 games in his career. It's pretty good. Even if he takes a big hit, <laughs> we're talking about 25, 30 homers. Come on. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, putting putting it to you, do you think he goes over 25 homers this year with missing the six weeks? I'd say yeah. I, I would put him at right about 27 and a half. I was betting it over and under. Okay. Well, that's that's a, that's a pretty Nice number there. I mean, you know, especially season-long road totals, if you can... And if you're playing head-to-head, you got this guy going into the playoffs. Like, it doesn't really matter. If, if you have confidence you're going to make your league, you stash guys like this. If you had Luke Voigt on your bench, would you trade him and try to get Olsen? I'd drop him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like Luke Voigt at all. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me just say, let's say that's who you went and you drafted Voigt as like a... Maybe a DH swing kind of guy. And you knew that owner was desperate for a first baseman. Is that a trade you'd make in a heartbeat? Yeah. Oh, I'd definitely trade Luke Voigt. Yeah, I'm not a believer at all. We saw a 132-game sample, or 132-at-bat sample size. Like, give me a break. I am i don't know. I'm sorry if you're a, a Luke Voigt guy, Joe. But I'm not sorry. Oh, no, I'm, I'm with you. You and I are on the same team here. But I feel like that's, that's the kind of trade I feel like you can pull off in April. Because somebody looks for six weeks and they go, oh, man, I'm not going to have Olsen and Voight's got some power, I can feel that, and, you know, maybe he'll be, like, the same guy, and you can very easily throw that trade out, I think, to more than half of owners who have Olsen right now, and I think you could pull that off. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I'm looking at Matt Adams, right? You can look at his splits season by season. How many times has Matt Adams had a 132-at-bat sample size where he was as good or better than Luke Voigt? It's happened, like, two or three times. Are we drafting Matt Adams? I mean, I get it. Luke Voigt's going to start the season as the starter, I guarantee you he's replaced by the end of the year because he was a fringe. He was like a quadruple A guy for the Cardinals, and then they dealt him because that's who he is, just like Matt Adams. I agree. I mean, the Dan Vogelbacks of the world, too, who never, I mean, there's a lot of guys who fit that mold of that corner guy that everybody says, oh, he just needs the at-bats. And you know what? Sometimes guys are just quad A guys. Like, sometimes that's just who they are. And I I wouldn't be surprised if the Yankees, by the all-star break, were looking for a solution to first base. I agree with that. Yeah, and I think they're going to have some options. I don't know. Maybe they can even slide Tulo over if he's still healthy. You know, they've got some guys in the minor leagues as well. 
They've just got a ton of depth. We're going to be talking about the Yankees here in a minute. And I did mention Greg Holland was named the closer for Arizona. I still think Archie Bradley, you could keep him just in case he takes over the job, and he's still going to help you in ratios and Ks and everything like that. Maybe you'll pick up a couple wins, a couple saves, but you could drop him. Greg Holland's the guy to own. Uh, now, I want to ask you about Scooter Jeanette. Say you've still got a draft in these last couple days before the season really starts. Where are you taking him? Top 175 still? You know, this is a little trickier for me because... <laughs> I, I like Scooter, and, and I think Scooter was one of these guys we all talked about as if you miss out on the Altuves and Whit Merrifields, he's a really nice option there. Him, Cano, there's some guys that had some value. He's been better than Freddie Freeman by quite a bit over their last 1,000 plate appearances. That's a huge sample size. That's a stunning stat. Like Honestly, I don't, I don't know what to say after you said that. I'm kind of at a loss. 10 more homers, uh, 25 more RBIs, 10 more runs. He's batting 10 points higher in the last 1,000 plate appearances for the two. And that's a lot. That's not like the last 100. And he qualifies at second base. Yeah. I'm still drafting him. I'm still drafting him, maybe a little bit past there. I would still draft him. I'm shocked by the fact that Senzel wasn't the guy to come and fill that void. I, I, I really am. I understand that it was basically the day before where they said we're going to option Senzel and let him get you know some more reps in the outfield and stuff. But he's a terrific athlete. It's going to be fun. If you think you're going to compete, you call up Senzel, obviously. Well, here's the thing I don't get. It's not like a two-week injury. If it was a two-week injury, I would say, absolutely. Why would you want to jerk the kid around back and forth, play in different positions? But we're talking a couple months here. For a couple months, you'd tell Senzel, look, this wasn't the plan. Let him learn on the job. Yeah, go up there, play second base, just go do it, and get your... He's played third, short, outfield. He can play second base. He's a baseball player. But why not, right? Why not give him the at-bats on the big league level at the start and go do it? It made no sense to me. If it was two weeks, I would get it. Two months... I think this is madness why Senzel isn't up and playing. And I'll tell you what, it wouldn't shock me if they get off to a bad start. Let's say they get off to like a 3-10 and 10 start or something like that, the Reds. He'll be up. <laughs> he'll be up and he'll be playing second base. Man, I hope so. Uh, Senzel's definitely got a draft and stash. We're going to talk about a few of those later. Let me ask you really quick, though. Would you rather own Garrett Hampson, who I like, or Scooter Jeanette? That's tricky because of the McMahon situation. Yeah, they're about the same for me because I project them to about the same. Hampson probably a few more at-bats, but Scooter Jeanette's the better player. That's definitely clear. I, I think that I would probably want Scooter, and I wonder if I could get a share of McMahon in a draft. You know what I mean? Like, I, I kind of feel like you might be... Because there's no clarification there, I think you still want Scooter because I want the guy that's been there and the guy whose job it is. And I'm not saying Hampson can't run away with it. He could. He's been a very good hitter in the minor leagues. He's a good hitter in college. He's succeeded at every level, but it just seems like they are, he's in a, he's in a tough spot because McMahon's really pushed the handle there a little bit, and it's unclear. It really comes down to the, what kind of league depth you're in in situation. If you're in an NL-only situation or something like that or a really deep league, I think you take the guy who's getting the at-bats now and you don't wait. I think that's the way I would perceive. But if you're in a 12-team a mixer, give me the talent. I've got Hampson number 168 right now on my big board. And I've got Scooter Jeanette 153 right now, so I'm taking him a little bit higher. But yeah, McMahon right now, he's owned in 23% of leagues across the industry. Guys, that's too low. He needs to be owned everywhere. We're talking about a guy who batted 355 with 63 extra base hits in 119 minor league games. And now in spring training, he's batting over 400 with 13 extra base hits in 23 games. He's a stud, and he's going to be qualifying at second base. Maybe he'll get some first base in, outfield. He's going to be all over the diamond. I think he plays most of the season. And everybody loved him two years ago, right? Yeah, and, and why not? He's the man. But how funny is that? Like, two years ago, everyone's like, Ryan McMahon's going to be the guy, and then he doesn't quite do it as quickly as we want him to. 
Yeah, kind of like Mike Trout. Like, do you guys not remember all these people who struggled in a small sample size? And now we're on to Hampson already. And that, and that's not trying to be a knock on Hampson. It's a knock on people's lack of patience for young players to come up and meet expectations. And I think it sucks. McMahon needs to be owned everywhere, in my opinion. Same with Freddie Peralta. He owned the rotation job. He's owned in 15% of leagues, and he is my new breakout starting pitcher of the year. He wasn't going to be because I didn't think he was going to make the rotation, but the Brewers did the smart thing. The guy is a monster. Pick him up. I'm not saying he is Blake Snell, but he could be this year's Blake Snell. He's that good. I've shared this stat before, and I'm sharing it so many times because I don't want you to miss out on Freddie Peralta. Four guys were in the top 10 in case per nine and top five in batting average against. Blake Snell... Chris Sale, Max Scherzer, Freddie Peralta. Small sample size, but you can't teach dominance. He's got some command issues. Maybe he works them out just like Trevor Bauer and Blake Snell. You need to own Freddie Peralta. I agree, and and I think the opportunity is there for him, and that's the main thing, right? Whenever you're looking for players like this, I think it's always about what's the opportunity. He's only going to be 23 this year. Um, last year, he had 14 starts, so there's a comfort level. And as far as the strikeout rate, it was there. I, I owned him last year in a bunch of spots. So that was a guy for me that I wanted to see. Obviously, it's it's one thing. And just like Snell, you pointed it out. It's just about control for him. It's about limiting those walks. If he can do that, it's not a problem. I mean, the fact that he only gave up 49 hits in 78 innings means that guys can't square him up. And he did that all through the minor leagues. It's not like these low babbips are just a fluke. He was just devastating. Oh, no, the guy's untouchable. He's his own worst enemy, though, just like Blake Snell. So until he fixes that, it's hard to think he's anything more than a matchup play. But I think that... If he does, you are right. The ceiling is something like, I don't want to say Blake Snell's last year, not a Cy Young season necessarily. Yeah, that was like a historically good season. I don't know if that, I don't think that's going to happen. Not a historically good season, but a one that is a huge fantasy win. So a, a difference maker when you consider the ADP, uh, absolutely. All right, Joe, we're going to name our playoff teams and World Series winners. Then we're going to get in bold predictions. We've also got some listener bold predictions that they sent in on Twitter. At the end, we're going to do our draft and stash type of guys. Before we get into all that, though, I want to talk about the sponsor of today's show, TickPick. If you hate paying too much for tickets like me, you need to check out TickPick. This site is awesome. TickPick is easily the fastest, cheapest, and easiest app to use for purchasing tickets to all your favorite events, sports, concerts, theater, you name it. There are no fees, and all tickets are 100% authentic. Just think StubHub without the fees. TickPick's app is extremely user-friendly and has some pretty useful features, too. Tickets are ranked using TickPick's patented score report determined by using price and seat location to help you get the best deal. Their seat rating sorts tickets from the best seats to the worst for any major sports event. You can even check out the view from any of the seats you bought. I used all these features when I bought my opening day seats for the Cardinals on TickPick. TickPick empowers customers to score their best tickets on any budget. You'll get the same tickets from the same seller, but absolutely zero fees. You'll end up saving 10 to 15% on every ticket order too, and check this out. TickPick is giving all of our listeners an amazing offer of $15 off an order of $99 or more. All you have to do is enter the promo code FPROS15, all one word, at checkout. Remember, that's TickPick, and use the promo code FPROS15 at checkout to save $15 off an order of $99 or more. Your price, your seat, no hidden fees. TickPick is where smart fans buy tickets. All right, Joe, so let's talk about our playoff teams. We'll just go through the divisions. Uh, who do you have winning the American League East? Uh, I have the Yankees winning. Me too. Uh, yeah, I, I think that they, you know, I know some people will kind of scoff at that considering where Severino is right now. And the Red Sox were so good last year, and they still are, but uh, the Yankees are, they they could win 110 games. Kimbrell's not at the end of that bullpen anymore, Bobby, you know, and, and there's still some question there. And I, I to me, I'm going to go with that Yankee bullpen. I think that Yankee bullpen is just best ever. Uh, it, it could be. 
I mean, they've got to do it, but on paper, it could be one of those kind of bullpens. So for me, it's the Yankees. Adovino's their fifth. <laughs> He's one of the top 10 relief pitchers in baseball. Somebody asked me if you had a guy this year who would be this year's version of what Hader was last year. I said it's Adovino. Good point. I think he could be that kind of a guy where... Out of cores? Yeah, well, out of cores, but he was so good last year, and he's going to get a ton of innings this year, I think. Uh, To me, I was still shocked that the Red Sox did not sign him and that the Yankees did. That was a great move by them. But to me, I think the Yankees will do enough offensively, and I think that bullpen will make up for whatever deficits in the rotation. And they still have a good enough system where they can bring in a Bumgarner or bring in somebody else, another starter at some point, and I believe that they will. I'm not sure that they'll need to because they've got Domingo Herman, who is... He's kind of a monster. I mentioned before, he reminds me of uh, Luis Severino. He's got that incredible K upside. He just had really bad luck last year. He's still a kid. I think he could be good. And fill in as that number five when Severino's out. And then when he comes back, maybe he'll steal the job from uh, Sabathia if he's hurt or James Paxton always gets hurt. But they've got Severino, Paxton, Tanaka, uh, J.A. Happ, C.C. Sabathia. They've got these kids. Uh, Luis Sessa as well. Best bullpen in the history of baseball. Most homers in the history of baseball last year. That was with Gary Sanchez being a bum. They brought in DJ LeMayhew, Miguel Andujar, Glebar Torres. They're only going to get better. Aaron Hicks is a little bit banged up right now, but Giancarlo Stanton had an off year too. Aaron Judge, I think he could get better. This offense could be the best in the league, best bullpen in the league, good rotation as well. I think this is the best team in baseball right now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's difficult to argue that. Now everyone's got to get it done on the field and stay healthy. If Paxton ends up with the long DL stint on top of the Severino DL stint, that can change some things. It, I, th- I think for them, too, it's also Aaron Judge staying healthy the whole year. So uh, if they stay healthy, it's hard to imagine the Yankees not winning that division. And th- I'm with you. It's not a knock on the Red Sox. The Red Sox are brilliant. But it's very hard to replicate 100 win seasons back-to-back years. So I just think that this might be a little flip-flop this year. They just cut Sandy Leone. He was projected to be their starter. They've got Christian Vasquez. Yuck. Mitch Moreland is, you know, below average. They have some holes. And the bullpen's still a question, too. The bullpen's a big question. I would say it's bottom half of the American League. The rotation, you've got Rick Porcello as your three. Nathan Ivaldi has some questions. Eduardo Rodriguez, we haven't seen that in a large sample size. David Price is going backwards. Uh, he's my guy this year. <laughs> he was my guy last year, too. I mean, you'd want a strikeout pitcher. Uh, strikeout pitcher is going to get wins with that offense and great run support. It's That's another guy where you look at the sample size and you go, man, if he could just go 175, 180 innings, he's going to be a stud. But Ivaldi, look, as good as he was last year, and I was top of the chain saying go pick him up when he was with Tampa go pick him up and see what happens and see if he gets traded and he did and it all went well but it's it's asking a lot of Eovaldi to do that over 30 starts I mean that's that's a bold prediction there (laughs) they make it 30 starts and they don't have a ton of depth either there's just more questions with the Red Sox than there are with the Yankees so don't hear me wrong Red Sox could win the World Series again they're definitely contender I like the Yankees a little bit more let's go to the Central where I've got the Twins and I know that's a little bit of a trendy pick but I really believe Overall, this roster is just better than what Cleveland's putting out there. I have the Twins, but not winning the division. So they're in the playoff race here, so that kind of gives away my wild card. But I, I think that the Cleveland Indians, that rotation is just so good. It's going to make up any deficit. I mean, that that one through five is just so much better, and they're just going to beat up on those bad teams in that division. You know, that nightly matchups against Kansas City or the White Sox, or it's just it's going to be brutal. And I understand this lineup is so bad, though. Uh, well... Is it bad or is it, look, I believe that missing Encarnacion is a big deal. I think bringing in Santana was a a decent fix, but not quite to the same standard where Encarnacion is is a game wrecker. Santana's not a game wrecker. He's never been that. He's a TV wrecker. Did you hear about that story? 
No. They're, what was that? They were playing Fortnite. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I did. And he was pissed off they were playing video game. And he smashed the TVs in the middle of the game. <laughs> I think that's great. I think maybe maybe that's the difference with this year Indians team. But if Lindor comes back healthy and Ramirez is obviously all right, which it seems to be okay, they'll find a way to get things done. I kind of like some of the veteran signings, too, and I'll get to that in a little bit, too. But I just think that Indian rotation at the end of the day over a long season will win them that division. Well, whether or not they can generate enough offense in the playoffs, we shall see. They've got six guys in their lineup who I think could be replacement level bats. Roberto Perez. Jake Bowers is a question mark. He was bad last year. I think he'll get better. Jason Kipnis hasn't really got it done. Greg Allen, Leonis Martin, Tyler Naquin. That's their outfield. It's disgusting. (laughs) It's not great. I like Naquin as a player. I think he's better than people give him credit. He just never stays healthy enough to to show everyone. But he's one of those. He's had some good stretches. He's one of those nice players, you know, like an Adam Eaton type guy where you're like, well, he's a nice player. Like he's a guy that you, you know, into like a fifth outfield. You're like, yay, Tyler Naquin. I think he could be that guy. But you're right. You're it's it's definitely a very stars and scrubs kind of lineup. If you want to put it that way, that's that's what Cleveland looks like offensively right now. Yeah. Two of the best five players in the American League. You're definitely right about that. Santana's a, a, a nice player as well. They're the team that spent all their budget on pitching in two big-time stars in the auction. And, and I think it makes <laughs> sense. It's a winning combination, but the Twins look good this year. I mean, they've got C.J. Crone, 30 homers. Miguel Sano, when he comes back, is going to be a beast, I think. Uh, Jonathan Scoop has, has had some, you know, some good seasons as well. Jorge Polanco's for the full season. Eddie Rosario's the man. Byron Buxton is getting better. Uh, Max Kepler, he's, I think he's still going to get better. And then Nelson Cruz, who's ageless. Marwin Gonzalez. To me, the Twins are one of my two wildcard teams this year. Barrios, I think, takes that step forward. And I think that's the difference maker for them. That's what gets them in the playoffs. It's the back of that rotation and some of the strikeouts in that lineup that still has potential to be very good. But I think still there's a lot of swing and miss in that lineup. And I think that's the that's the thing where the guys get hot in a playoff series. Who knows? I think they will do enough damage over the course of the year to compete. But to beat that Cleveland rotation, I think, is is asking a lot over 162, personally. Yeah, I, and I do like their rotation as well. You mentioned uh, Pineda. Uh, Martin Perez is getting a lot of hype in the in the community. I know nobody loves Kyle Gibson, uh, you know, but once that strikeout rate got over five, <laughs> you know, like, then I'll pay attention to. <laughs> yeah, his ERA was 3.62 last year. I don't think that's really a fluke. Well, it's that's the thing. It's 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 Things are trending in the right direction, and Jose Barrios is the guy that all of a sudden makes it very different. In a lot of ways, you know, they don't they don't necessarily have the same exact kind of star power in the lineup that the Phillies have. But, you know, everybody is in love with the Phillies. But really, how different structurally are these two teams outside of having Bryce Harper? Not really. Well, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Odorizzi also has a, a sub four ERA throughout his career. Last year was a little bit rough. Yeah, he was banged up, I believe. And their bullpen is one of the best in the American League. They've got Taylor Rogers and Trevor May, who were two of the top 10 uh, relief pitchers in baseball last year. They added Blake Parker. Uh, Hildenberger, I think, has some upside as well. This is a sneaky good team. Jason Castro is great behind the plate. Good minor league system, too, like Trevor Larnick, who's coming along, too. That guy could be a big difference maker sooner than later. All right, what about, uh, obviously, the Houston Astros? <laughs> Do you have a, you have them winning it, right? 100% Houston Astros. I love me some Astros. And it's going to be a big year for them, too. Imagine, you know, Altuve was hurt, Correa was hurt. And they still were brilliant. I mean, come on. Like, let's... They, they lost some depth in their rotation. They still have a ton. Really good bullpen as well, obviously. The lineup is just disgustingly good. They've got Kyle Tucker coming up too whenever somebody gets hurt. This is a 100-win team, especially in the American League West. I would bet that they go into the playoffs 
with the best record in baseball. I think the Yankees are better, though. I can understand that thinking. It's when what happens for me is when you get these two teams, and I do think they will meet in the playoffs, obviously, at some point. When you get Verlander and Cole in that short series, then you're asking Paxton and Severino and those kind of guys to step up to that level. See, I don't think that's what it is. I think that you're getting Garrett Cole and Justin Verlander face the best bullpen in the history of baseball. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. So basically then it comes down to which offense can score first. (laughs) Because if you give Verlander a three-run lead, he's going eight innings. And the Astros lineup is awesome, but I'm taking the Yankees over them. I love the defense that they play too the Astros and I think the the defense and the athleticism of them as an overall team I think that's what makes them so dangerous in the playoffs because you've seen them change momentum in so many ways they change momentum with their legs they can change momentum with their glove they can change momentum with the bats they can do it with the pitching so that's that's a very different dynamic the Yankees can change dynamic with a home run but I don't know you know and and obviously getting a big out from the bullpen Houston's going to be tough, man. I really do. And because we kind of gave it away with my wild cards, Minnesota, my other one's Boston. I don't see Boston not in the playoffs. So yeah, I've got Boston in there and I'm going with a sleeper team in the uh, American League for the second wild card. I've got the Los Angeles Angels. You know, I, I thought about them for a while. Cleveland, they could definitely do it. If they get one or two injuries to their rotation, they're screwed. So you have the Indians missing the playoffs, Bobby. Yeah, I've got I've got Cleveland missing the playoffs. Uh, the Rays are obviously going to compete as well, but the Angels They've got some upside in their rotation. Tyler Skaggs, Andrew Heaney, uh, Trevor Cahill, we've seen him do it. Maybe Matt Harvey puts it together. Their uh, bullpen is not very good, but their offense, they've got Zach Carzart was a stud a couple years ago. Uh, Simmons, Mike Trout, obviously, Justin Upton. Albert Pujols is raking this spring. Let's not forget, just two years ago, uh, he hit 40 home runs. Uh, He had 119 RBIs in 2016. He still, I think, got some upside if he can stay healthy. I just think this Angels team is is going to fly under the radar and they don't have as much competition in the West, so I think they win just enough. They, I think they're going to be better than people think. I, I could see them being better. Yeah, and Otani coming back too is a monster. I can see them kind of being like Oakland was last year, just kind of out of nowhere, you know, just kind of chippy, and, and, I, and I struggled with that. Actually, you know, it was funny. Pena looked good last night. I was watching him pitch, and he was, I think he struck out like five of the six guys at one point, and he was... That's weird. <laughs> well, it was weird, but he was also doing it against the Dodgers, and it was real guys. It was like Verdugo, and it was not like, you know, the the slug, you know, minor league guys. It was the real players, so that was a little eye-opening for me. I just don't believe in the rotation enough over that. I can't see as good as they could be offensively with Trout. It's just hard for me to buy them as a playoff team over the Indians, but I'm with you on the Twins. The Twins might be that team, I think, that it would be good for baseball, too, to get them back, because that's a good fan base. That that fan base loves that team. They they were terrific in those late 80s into the early 90s, then the Curry Puckett years, and they were, they were a great fan base. And then the Johan Santana era, too, where they had a lot of... A lot of, you know, excitement in that building, that old building. It would be nice to get some excitement at Target Field because they haven't had any. Agree. Yeah, I like that a lot. All right, National League, I've got the Nationals, Brewers, and Dodgers winning their division. Do you disagree in any of them? I have the Dodgers, I don't have the Nationals, and I don't have the Brewers. So there you go. So I have the Atlanta. The Central and the East are so wide open between three or four teams each. I'm going to go with the Cubs in the Central. And it's because I think that if Darvish does come back healthy... That is a very good rotation with Hamels and Lester and Hendricks uh, and him. I don't know, man. Lester is such a question mark to me. He always, you know what? How many times have we said that? And how many times does he show up and he still wins, finds a way to win 15 games? I mean, he's, we wrote him off when he was a Boston. Remember we had like that six ERA that one year? Yeah. Yeah. And there was like, John Lester's done. It was a nice little run he had, but you could, <laughs> and, then he went out, and then he went and had a bunch of good years with the Cubs after that. So 
I'm not ready to kill them yet, but to me, I think Atlanta's that team, and I think Atlanta's all in. And they have the prospects to move to, again, bring in a difference maker guy. And I think that is something that a lot of other organizations don't. They have so much young pitching in that pipeline where they can move those guys. Guys like Wilson, guys like Kyle Wright, I think they have the ability to step up. They're not starting off on the right foot with Fulton Evich with the injury. Kevin Gosman's out right now, too. He's starting on the IL. But yeah, they've got like four or five guys in the minor leagues who could legitimately help them win this year. They could either step up and help them win, or they can flip them for the difference maker guy to bring in that guy to help them win. And I think... And they've got a good lineup, too. Freeman, Albies, Josh Donaldson, Acuna, Inciarte. They don't really have many question marks either. This is a very good team. I just think the Nationals are, you know, the the class of that division. I have the Nationals in the playoffs. And I think this is a team actually searching for a little bit of an identity for a while without Harper. But I do think that they find it. I think they're actually more of a second-half team, to tell you the truth. Rendon could compete for the MVP. Juan Soto's a monster, as we know. Uh, Trey Turner, they picked up Brian Dozier. Victor Robles is coming up. Adam Eaton, if he can stay healthy. Ryan Zimmerman, we've seen him two years ago, was just a machine. Do you remember that year he put up just out of nowhere? Batted 303, 36 homers. Oh, yeah, I owned him everywhere that year. And then I went and I double-dipped the next year, and it did not work out. (laughs) Oh, I was riding high. I said, let it ride, Bobby. Let it ride. <laughs> no, man, it crashed. It crashed bad. <laughs> yeah, Doolittle as their closer. Max Scherzer, Patrick Corbin, Steven Strasburg. Questions at the end of the rotation, but this is a really good team. What is it about Milwaukee you think that they can do enough there? Especially with the way they've had all these injuries now in the bullpen and stuff, too. Yeah, I like their pitching. Jimmy Nelson will be back. I mentioned Freddie Peralta. Uh, Woodruff is there as well. They've got the best bullpen in the in the National League. Josh Hader, Corey Knable, Jacob Barnes, Jeremy Jeffress was a stud last year. And then, obviously, their lineup is amazing. Maybe the best in the National League. I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I think I'd put the Reds above them right now. It's funny you mentioned the Reds because that's who my other wild card team is with the Nationals. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I, I could see that. They've got some questions in the rotation, but if they come together, they could compete. So it sounds like we both have the Cardinals out of the playoffs then. We do. We do, actually. And I think that the Cardinals will be in it, but I think they're going to fall short. Uh, I look at this Reds team, and I think we've talked about this before, but that lineup is just sick. And, it's, and it stinks that Scooter's out, but they need to get some pitching. And I'm not I'm not banking on Sonny Gray and Tanner Rourke being brilliant, but can they be good enough to be competitive and keep you in games? With that lineup, yeah. I think they might be able to. And just like for the Twins, Barrios taking that step forward. If Castillo does that same thing. Or Alex Wood. Or Alex Wood. I think those guys together could do enough to backdoor them into the playoffs. And the Nationals are my other wild card team. The Mets, unfortunately, I'm a Mets fan, but I just, you know, I can't. <laughs> I've, I've got the Mets making the wild card with the Rockies. So I have the Cubs and Cardinals missing. I've got the Braves missing. Now, all three of those teams are going to be really close. But, you know, there's like five or six who could compete for those two wild card spots. And uh, I had to pick two of them. The National League is more competitive, Bobby, by far. There's a lot of upper echelon and lower echelon teams in the American League. There's a much bigger divide of the teams that are rebuilding and the teams that are win now. And, and the National League is much more wide open. I mean, you mentioned Colorado. You mentioned uh, we talked about the Cardinals. We talked about the Brewers. I mean, all these teams that, that really could be in there. The Mets could be involved. The Phillies could even get involved in this, you know, potentially as well. But it's, maybe, yeah, maybe even the Padres. Probably not. I think the Phillies are more ready than the Padres. But if the Padres had a great start to the season, it wouldn't shock me. Like they might be one of these teams that's like, oh, my God, look at the Padres. And then the second half, the young kids get tired and they can't keep up the pace. That would not shock me at all. Mm hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of teams to like in the National League, but the Rockies, I don't think they're getting enough love. I mean, they were really good last year. They've got that good pitching staff, which is crazy in Colorado. 
but they've also got a really good offense. Daniel Murphy they added, Arenado, Story, David Dahl's a breakout guy for a lot of people. Charlie Blackman's one of the best players in the league. This lineup's stacked. The rotation's good. I think it's a playoff team. I'm going to beat up on the Giants, too. Where Zank Greinke ends up, and in my mind, in my script of the 2019 season, the Braves find a way to bring Greinke there because I think that's the kind of organization that's a fit for him. I think he would be okay with going there. And I think that's the reason why I have Atlanta being the team that kind of goes over that hump there. I think he's he's the guy, the difference maker. Bumgarner goes to one of the other teams. I don't know which one, but I think Greinke is the one that ends up with Atlanta. I don't think he's a difference maker like Greinke is. Well, that's and that's why I said I think Bumgarner will end up somewhere, but Granke is the guy I think it ends up in Atlanta, and I think that I think is the is the minor league system that they look at and they go, okay, we didn't get as much as we should have at Goldschmidt, and then he signed the extension. We look terrible. We need to bring back a haul for Granke, and they will. And I think Atlanta is the team that can offer them the haul. Okay, so who do you have in the World Series? Uh, I've got Atlanta and Houston. Okay, and you have Houston winning it. I do. I have Houston winning it and coming back again strong. A ho- little Jose Altuve holding the statue that's bigger than him once again. <laughs> that's what I want to see. I feel like whoever you pick out of the American League, whether it's the Yankees, Red Sox, or Astros, they're going to win the World Series. You're right. I've got the Yankees over the Brewers, those two dominant bullpens meeting in the World Series and, and all the offense. That would be such a fun David and Goliath kind of matchup, mm-hmm. right? Your, your Milwaukee Brewers, you know, your old school American League team gone to the National League. Now in there going against the Yankees, the juggernaut Yankees. That would be really fun. I'd enjoy that. The Yankees being good is good for baseball. I, I, I And as much as people want to hate the Yankees, and I understand that. People are going to be so mad at me for picking the Yankees. No, but it, it's it's good for baseball. It's good to have Goliath. It's good to have that, you know, that Cinderella story kind of thing. I, I It wouldn't shock me if the Dodgers were that team, too, that just kind of fell out of it, you know, or maybe just barely got in. It's hard to lose like the way they've lost the last couple of years. I feel like that takes a toll on a team mentally after a while. All right, Joe, let's move on over to our five bold predictions each. And I've also got five from the listeners and I'm going to go first with one of those. This one's from at Bart on Wheeler. He says, Vlad Jr. Ends up as a top three third baseman and top 20 overall, even missing a month of the season. Do you think this could happen? Uh, yeah, sure. It's possible. I still say he's not up till June, but uh, looking at third base, it's certainly possible. Let me ask you this. If Nolan Arenado, was out for a month, would you still put him as a top 20 overall player? Because steamer projections are always conservative on these rookies, and they've got Vlad Jr. game for game as the same player as Arenado. Uh, yeah, and I think that's just asking a lot. Arenado's still, for me, a much easier, safer pick for me. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think bold predictions are kind of like, you know, it's got a, most people think it has a 5% chance of happening, and really it has like a 15-20% chance of happening. I'd say, yeah, this has a 15-20% chance of happening. How about Carlos Correa, American League MVP? How about that? Oh, man. He could have been if he wasn't hurt the other year. Uh, that's why I'm saying we forget, going back to uh, our short-term memory loss. So there you go. There's my first one. Man, he was so good. What was he on pace for? He was batting 315 with 24 bombs through 109 games. The guy was a beast. He still got MVP votes even though he missed 50 games. <laughs> <laughs> and if he plays 155 with that lineup, now I know this lineup's very good, but he could be that guy where this could be the Correa year. It's, it's very possible. Yeah, you talked about the Astros and how good they are. We probably haven't seen the best of Bregman, Springer, or Correa. Probably not. All right, here's my first one. Ronald Acuna will be the number one overall fantasy player. I'm not saying I'm predicting this. I'm saying it is possible. 
You know, there's a couple others outside the top 15 I could see doing it. Mondesi, he did it for a three-month stretch last year. Tommy Pham, we've seen him be awesome with homer steals, batting average. Those are the only two outside the top, you know, 15, 30 players that I could see doing it. But Ronald Acuna, if he bats 300, he's going to hit 35 homers. He's going to steal 20 bases. You know, he batted 300 over the last couple months of the season. He cut down on that chasing balls outside the strike zone. I could see Acuna batting 300 with 35 bombs, 25 homers, and leading the Braves to, you know, the number one seed in the National League. Outside of Trout and Betts, he's my third guy in a dynasty league that I'd want. It's easy. In a dynasty league or a redraft league? A dynasty, redraft, whatever. Either one. I mean, I'm building. Why not? He's so young. Yeah, I've got him number five in my rankings right now, and a lot of people are like, man, that's too high. Why? He was that good last year. Yeah, he was that good, and he got hurt last year. So he missed some time, and he still came back. <laughs> imagine if he had. Imagine if he hadn't missed those weeks. <laughs> you know how good he could have been. All right, here's the next one. This one's from at Pete Subbers. Bryce Harper hits 50 plus homers. I don't really know if that one is super bold. Like he hasn't. Has he ever done it before? No, he's never hit 50. But it's it's a great ballpark for him. So I guess his max is 42. He's moving from Washington to Philadelphia. I would say if he stays healthy, uh, I'd say over under 47. Yeah, I'll take the under there, but not much. Okay, yeah, I think 50 is definitely possible. I think 60 is possible with Harper. It's a great ballpark, and he's got the lineup protection with Hoskins there, too. It's, it's, a, it's a nice situation, and that one's not crazy at all. All right, what's your next one, Joe? Here's mine. It's a negative one, though. Clayton Kershaw throws under 150 innings. Yeah, I'm agreeing with you on that one. And he's only done that once. There's one other time in his, in his career that happened a couple years ago. And it's going to be another year of that as well. So that means he's probably going to make about 20 starts, give or take. That's probably where I'm, I'm at with that. But I just got a bad feeling about it. It's a, He's going to be 31, and I would love nothing more than Clayton Kershaw to regain the mantle as one of the best pitchers in baseball. But he's averaging 24 and a half starts the last three years. So me saying he's only going to start 20 games, is I don't think that bold. But that innings total, I think when that shocks people, when you say under 150, they go, oh, wow, that's going to be uh, – it's going to be dicey depending on where you drafted him. Let's go a little bit further. Let's say I'm giving you four to one odds that he pitches under 75 innings. You taking it? Under 75? Because <laughs> he's got multiple pretty serious issues. He does. I, I'm I'm not. It's close, though. How high would we have to go? Six to one? Yeah, I think you got to go a little. I think six or seven for me to go under 75 because he's such a gamer, Bobby. You know, he's going to want to be out there for the team and he's going to find a way. But. I don't think he gets to 150. If he if he tries to stretch it when he's hurt, he could ruin his 30s. We've seen a lot of good seasons from 30-plus-year-old pitchers. Maybe they shut him down for the year. They've got all this depth, and they say, just get healthy. We'll use you for the next 10 years. Yeah, with all the extensions that were given out this year to everybody. I mean, everybody got an extension except you and me, I feel like. But <laughs> Kershaw's might be looking like the worst one. I don't know, man. It's uh, I, I just hope he gets healthy and maybe shutting him down will be the solution. Again, I don't like this one. I'm just predicting it. Oh, here's my next one. Daniel Murphy. Let's go. He bats 355. Oh, I mean, as a former Met fan, that's going to grate me. But yeah, sure. He's a 330, 320 kind of hitter potentially anyway. Yeah, he batted 326 in Washington and now he moves to Coors. I think 355 could happen. It's not impossible. It would be nice to see him do, look, this is a guy, talk about a renaissance of his career once he hit those 2015 playoffs, right? When it just, everything just clicked, and all of a sudden he just became a different player, and then nobody believed in it, and then he went to Washington and just continued raking, so I love that one. He wasn't especially good last season, but remember, he was coming back from that injury, and maybe he will never be the same, but 2016, he was number two in the MVP vote. Yeah, it's uh, he's had a great run since uh, leaving New York, for sure. I love this next one a lot. This is from at J A A Hap. P. 
<laughs> Mondesi steals more bases than KC wins games. So what are we saying? KC wins 60, 65 games? Yeah, that's that's a fun one. That's a fun prediction. I like that. It's possible. It's not impossible. It's also possible that they win 50 games. <laughs> so, you know, if they win 55. Chances of this one are probably 15, 20%. I mean, we stole 32 bases in 75 games last year. So if he keeps up that pace, we're looking at 70. Let's not forget, too, without Sal Perez to help coach this pitching staff along. You got a catcher now coming in having to learn this whole pitching staff. I mean, this is finer points of baseball. We're not talking fantasy. We're talking baseball stuff. The Perez injury just took a bad pitching staff and made it 10 times worse for me. So it's 55 wins is very realistic and 55 stolen bases is not unrealistic. So that's a fun one. I like that one. Joe, I've got to ask you about Mondesi because, you know, I really respect Derek Cardi and uh, his projection system. The bat is really low on Mondesi. I'm wondering what your projection system has him for. Well, I don't do projection systems. I do relative position value, which takes projections into it. It takes three year averages. It takes previous season stats. It puts them all together and weights them. And then it shows you how much better a player is than the fantasy league average in, say, a 12-team league or a 20-team league or a roto versus a points league. And that's what Black Book and RPV does. And that's why people like it, because it takes away projections and it gives you reality uh, of a player. And more importantly, reality compared to the what other players are at that position. And I like Mondesi. It all depends on format you're playing in. If you're in season-long roto, I like him a lot uh, in terms of what he can give you stolen base-wise. You just have to build the roster around him if it's an OBP league. And, and gauge yourself accordingly. If you are in a weekly head-to-head categories league, Mondesi is a guy that is even better there because the short sample size of the stolen bases helps you significantly. If you're in a points league, as good as the stolen bases are, you, you kind of, the strikeouts hurt you and some others, it doesn't fill the, the box score quite enough for me to get that excited about. But again, the roster construction in all roto formats, I'm, I'm not against them. And Derek and I argue on Twitter all the time about stuff. So <laughs> don't feel like you're on an island there. And I love Derek. He's a great guy. Yeah, there's not many things that I've disagreed with on Derek this preseason. But when I saw that one, I'm like, I'm going to have to wrestle him. <laughs> we, we disagree all the time. And that's because what I always want everybody, you know what I want? I want everybody to show me last year's projections. I don't want to see all your stuff for 2019. I want to see everything in 2018 that was right. And that's very hard to find. It's very hard to find anybody who wants to show you that. But relative position value is never going to steer you wrong because that shows you more what a guy's value truly is in the format as opposed to trying to project specific numbers. That's not as important as making sure you're not going to the negative for players at a certain position in terms of auctions or even in draft position. Okay. So standard 5x5 five five Roto League. Do you have Mondesi in your top 45? Yeah, he's right around there. Yeah, I think he's in he's in that area. Because I, I am somebody who looks at it and... I see Mondesi as a guy that I think you go back into some of the the numbers in the minor leagues. He's had 330 OBPs before. It's possible. He might not be as bad. And he was a lot of projection. He was so raw. Well, that's what I think. He was very raw. And the fact that he does move so well and the fact that he is so fast, it bodes well for him being able to figure out ways to hit the ball on the ground more and be more productive that way and get on base more that way. Yeah, his BABIP is going to be higher than normal because he's so fast. Right. And I think that you have to know what you're getting into and it's it's not hard to take him at all it's just you have to understand what you have to make up the deficits that's all that's easy he he does that one thing so well where i'm willing to do it i've got so many shares of modesty if you disagreed with me we would have had to stop the podcast right there. <laughs> well thank god oh man i might never get invited back on the show that'd be rough all right here's my next one you mentioned him earlier 
You Darvish is going to strike out 250 hitters, finish second in the Cy Young voting. Yeah, that, that, that would be nice. That would be nice. How about this one? I'll, I'll, I'll see your you Darvish and I'll raise you. How about Trevor May leads the American League in saves? You like that? My dude, I love Trevor May. You like that? With our Minnesota Twins going to the playoffs. Yeah, I do. I do like it. He was amazing last year in the second half. He was better than Kenley Jansen and Craig Kimbrell. I own him everywhere. It's hard to find a league where I don't have Trevor May. <laughs> and If we were in the same league, I would have reached like three extra rounds higher than I usually do just to make sure you didn't beat him to the punch. Because <laughs> he's worth it. I would take him in the 12th round if I needed to. I don't need to. I'm taking him in like the 20th. As, as fun as it is to do those, you know, who you think is going to win the World Series and the divisions, if you are scripting out a certain point about what you really look at the baseball season in 2019, then you need to have things like that happen. So... That's how that this fun little exercise we just did filters down to the players. And I think that's something to keep in mind. So if the Twins are going to be in the playoffs or, like you said, win that division, well, Trevor May needs to be a big part of that. So you have to take those things into account. And they've said that they're going closer by committee. I don't believe it for one second. He's the best reliever in their rotation. He could be a top five closer in baseball. Let the big dog eat. I hope I hope Blake Parker gets a save in the first week. So any other league where I don't own him, I can trade for Trevor May. Okay, I like that. I'm with you on that one, man. But I got him in every single league. I'm not even joking. Uh, you and me both. All right, here's my next one. I, we're going to skip the next listener one because it's this one is the same, right? I'm going with the MLB leader in saves, and it's Ryan Brazier. Whoa, look at you. He's with Boston, right? How many save opportunities are they going to have? 45, 50? I think that he's the closer from day one. I think he's good enough that he does not let up. Closers, we all know. I mean, I remember when Bobby Thigpen, I'm dating myself. 57 saves. Yeah, I mean, I remember and everyone was like, whoa, where did that come from? You know, so it's it's possible. I, I always look at a team like the Red Sox having a harder time with that because the offense is so good. The The greatest formula for saves is mediocre offense with good starting pitching. So if you can kind of find that or vice versa, that that's you know where you're winning games, but not by much. Whereas I feel like the Red Sox might be in a spot where they win too many games by too much. But I, I love it. That is bold. That is fun. I'm all about that one. Last year, Craig Kimbrell had a 2.74 ERA. Brazier, 160. Kimbrell had a .995 whip. Brazier, .772. The strikeouts aren't exactly there, but the swinging strike rate uh, was quite good. I think he can be a really good closer. It's, it's very possible. It, what it takes to be a good closer is the mentality. I was just on, I did uh, the NFBC broadcast with Brad Ziegler, and then we had him on Black Book last week. Uh, and, you know, getting getting to talk to him for hours about bullpens and stuff like that was really terrific. He needs to get in the fantasy industry because Brad Ziegler's a great fantasy mind. Dude, he's, he's terrific. And, you know, he's very, he's, he studies hard about it. He's a great football mind too, but... Let me tell you, it's it was really cool to, to sit down and talk baseball with him and how it affects fantasy baseball, and he is super into it. It's very hard to find an ex-baseball player who wants to talk fantasy baseball with you. They'll talk fantasy football, but not fantasy baseball, and it was really refreshing and awesome. I got another one for you. It's bold. How about the Nationals finally win a playoff series, but they do it without Bryce Harper? You like that? Yeah, I do like it. I, I like that one a lot. There we go. Let's get on the board there. I mean, I think this team struggles to find an identity for a bit, and then they get red hot. And then Rendon, like you said, potentially carries them. And this team, all of a sudden, built on pitching and a different style of offense with Robles and Soto kind of leading the charge a little bit. It's going to be fun to watch. I think I think this team is going to figure it out and find a way to get in the playoffs. And, and they're going to advance around, which Bryce Harper is going to be on the outside looking in. You know what's going to be annoying is uh, Bryce Harper is going to have one of these seasons where he misses 30 games again. And the Nationals <laughs> make the playoffs and make it to the NLCS, and everyone's going to be like, see, they're better without Bryce Harper, and I'm just going to roll my eyes. No, yeah. 
And you're not. And you're not, but you might be for this year. And I think this year they will be, personally. All right, I'm going to uh, do two listener ones here. This one's from Doug Roth, 15. Chris Sale pitches 200-plus innings. What do you think about that? I don't think that's impossible. I think you, considering the extension they just gave him, he better. Yeah, yeah. I think it's really <laughs> encouraging that he did that. And the next one from M. Cheer. With the bullpen, you should have it, too. You should want that out of him this year. And the next one's from M. Cheer, 23. Alex Bregman wins the MVP. Like I said, I don't think we've seen the best of Alex Bregman. He was really good last year. That was my favorite extension of the offseason. I thought extending Bregman was the best, even though Jimenez was a great one. And there were some other ones that were really great. Goldschmidt, I thought they got a great value. I look at Bregman, I go, that's so smart because this guy is an MVP caliber talent. I went with Correa, they went with Bregman, but to me, that is that makes a ton of sense. I'd love to see that, and uh, I thought that was a brilliant move by them because he's proven it already. And, you know, he's proven he could be that guy, so why not extend him and give him the cash and pay him? You know, for a while, uh, Dustin Pedroia was my favorite player that wasn't on my favorite team. My favorite team's the Cardinals. Pedroia was always my favorite. I, I think that Alex Bregman has become that guy. When you watch him play, he's just one of these guys that plays the game right, and he's so good at his craft. I love Alex Bregman. Who's your favorite like that? Altuve. I think a lot of people would say Altuve. He's so fun to watch. You know, maybe because I'm only 5'7", I don't know, but I just, I love the fact that he competes like a monster, and I love the fact that he can hit bombs, and he's just, you know, he's the toughest out in the <laughs> in the planet, I think, you know? How do you pitch to him? I don't know. I have no idea, but the guy just gets it done. All right, here's my next one, and this one is the most bold. He's probably not even on anybody's radar at this point, but he really should be because he's got some serious stolen base upside. He's also got some power. I think the batting average is going to get better, and he should be back here. He's not expected to be available by opening day, but by late April, yeah, I think Bradley Zimmer is going to be called up, and I think he's going to be the waiver wire pickup of the year that helps people win their fantasy leagues. I like that one. He He's a guy that I keep, I, you know, when you're in those slow drafts, you keep clicking on and looking for news updates. Yep. <laughs> I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, when's he coming back? Because that's a guy that he hasn't really done it yet on the big league level, but everybody was so high on him. And like we keep saying, just because a guy doesn't hit right away doesn't mean he's never going to hit. So the post-hype guys like him, I think is definitely somebody to keep an eye on. You're right, more of a waiver wire ad than a, than a roster ad right now. His upside is someone eventually who could hit 20 homers, 50 stolen bases. So think of a light version of that once he comes back from injury. Maybe he hits 15 homers with 35 steals. Well, he's kind of like Grady Sizemore. Exactly. Yep. And he's very good defensively. He's going to be in the lineup. So I'm not, I'm not saying draft him or pick him up now. I'm saying keep a close eye on him when he gets called up. Maybe if you've got a deeper bench, stash him and let's see what happens. I like that one. I'm going to go with Nick Senzel as my last one as National League Rookie of the Year. Maybe it's not super bold, but the fact that he's not starting with the club, <laughs> especially after this injury, I think that's that's my bold prediction that even though Alonzo is starting with the Mets, that I think Senzel still finds a way to be Rookie of the Year and helps that Reds team, as I predict, to go to the playoffs. Again, if you're going to go to the scripting the season, you got to script it with what you think and then work down for the players. Who are the players that are going to be integral to making that happen? I think Senzel will be one of them. I think Senzel's in there. Uh, Peter Alonzo, depending on when he's called up for your Mets. Uh, Fernando Tatis, when he's called up. It looks like Reyes is not going to be in the rotation, which is a bummer. Francisco Mejia, maybe. Brendan Rodgers, if he gets called up for the Rockies, probably not. Mike's Rocca, Tuki Tucson, any of those guys for the Braves. Kyle Wright, really. The Rockies have a lot to figure out with that youth because they got a lot of infield youth. Fuentes, uh, you mentioned Rodgers. Like, they need to kind of, you know what, or get off the pot with some of these guys and help the Major League roster. I mean, if, if, if these guys don't have a window to play in two years and you just signed Daniel Murphy, I, I, you got to figure that out. Uh, just, it's a lot to go on there. I got a lot of guys who are in the similar profile that would help teams 
I think they should make a move. They really should. Who are you taking in the AL? Guerrero, uh, Jimenez, or Force Whitley? I can't imagine anyone else is going to do it. Maybe Kyle Tucker or Bo Bichette. Tucker, I mean, Tucker, I think, is going to play a lot more than people realize. Jimenez is the guy for me. I drafted him in tout, and I got him for seven bucks, and that was a week before the extension happened. Are you kidding me? What a steal. It was a steal. Well, especially when you consider Vlad went for twice as much, and I think that's always the thing for me. It's Last year, Acuna was, what, a 10th round pick? And... That's where I want to take those kind of guys. And Vlad's moved up and rocketed so far to like fourth round. And then even with the injury, people don't want to go pivot off that much. But Aloy to me is the one that's just, ah, he's so intriguing, man. I just, I, there's something about that everyday player. And when you watch him hit, you just go, man, like <laughs> that guy is special. 100 RBIs as a rookie as possible because he's going to be in the middle of that lineup. Well, that's the whole thing. Being in the middle of that lineup, he's starting, I think, roster resource. I was looking yesterday, said hitting sixth. That won't last long. It's not going to last long, but it's a perfect spot to start. Mm-hmm. Like, I want him to hit six for two months and get comfortable, and then you move him up. And then if Abreu gets traded, who knows? Maybe you move him up even to the three-hole and just get him more at-bats in the year. That's what it's about, getting him reps. All right, Joe, let's go lightning round where we each name, you know, two, three, four guys that we want to draft and stash, and then we'll highlight our favorite of the group. Okay, well, I know that everyone's going to do all the young guys here, so I pivoted a different way. Cool. Here's some old guys or guys that we already know about that maybe people aren't high on, but you can draft and stash. Ian Happ. Oh, what a great name. Yeah. If he gets sent down and has one of those Michael Conforto AAA kind of month or twos, he's going to come up and they're going to find a way or injury is going to happen. And he very well could. He's going to be dropped everywhere in the next week or so. Uh, So keep an eye on him. Hanley Ramirez is going to make the team out of spring training, probably going to DH. Hanley is playing with Cleveland, and I'm telling you right now, he still is a really good bat. You talk about that Cleveland offense being so many quad A guys. Hanley Ramirez isn't a quad A guy. If he can hit, he'll stick in that lineup. And in a deep league, 15, 16 or more teams, that's a guy that I think you might get a decent month or two out of in the beginning of the season. And the last one is Cargo because, again, same reasoning, too many question marks. He was drafted in the fourth round two years ago, right? Yeah, bring in some guys who have major league talent. I know Cargo's not the same player out of Colorado, but at the same time, he's got till April 20th to get in the big leagues. Nobody's going to be on him. Draft him, stash him, and either he's going to get dealt, end up in another team, or he's going to be up there playing every day for the Indians because if he comes up, they're going to play him because he's Carlos Gonzalez and he's better than Allen and a lot of the other guys that they have alternatives of. So those are my three. Hey, Handler Ramirez, two years ago, 30 homers, 111 RBIs, batted 286 with an 866 OPS. If Ryan Zimmerman can bounce back into his 30s, Hanley Ramirez can too. Why not? I mean, Poppy did it 37 to 40. I mean, you know, like those are great years. I can't believe I didn't give a Miggy Cabrera MVP bold prediction because he's going to be a stud. I know last time we spoke, you and I are on the same page there, but man, he looks good this spring, doesn't he? (laughs) I can't imagine anyone in the industry is even half as high in Miggy Cabrera as I am because I, I honestly believe if he stays healthy, he will be top five in the MVP and that's not me like saying hyperbole or, or a bold prediction. No, this is what I actually think. If I had to project it, I would say he's a top five hitter in the American League when he's healthy. You and I are on the same page again here. We've got all the uh, Trevor May shares and all the Cabrera shares between the two of us. We should go in a team together. We should, man. We won't fight about players. <laughs> yeah, let's do that next year. What's that one? $15,000 entry fee on NFBC? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> we'll get a GoFundMe from the listeners here in Fantasy Pros. Go fund us. All right, here are my three stashes, and then I'll uh, I'll highlight my favorite one. Francisco Mejia, just because catching is so ugly, I think he's going to take over the job eventually or probably get traded to Cleveland and then be their catcher. Uh, Fernando Tatis, 
Man, this guy is fast. He's going to hit for power, too. And if Manny Machado has his way, he will be up soon for San Diego. And then Forrest Whitley. It was going to be Josh James, but it looks like Whitley's going to get the call sooner than later. He's probably this year's uh, Walker Buehler. Maybe not as good, but he's right up there with him. And then the guy I really want to highlight. People aren't drafting Miguel Sano anymore. I don't know why. There's really not that big of a difference between Sano and Reese Hoskins. I know that's going to drive a lot of people crazy. Uh, obviously, Sano is going to be missing the first month of the season. But in terms of 162 game averages, Sano has just as much power. His batting average is just as good. The only difference is the Phillies have a better lineup, and it's not by that much. I did a comparison in the Black Book a couple years ago to Sano and Chris Bryant because they were not that far off when they first both came up in terms of productivity. They just weren't. You know, Bryant stole more bases, obviously, but if Sano is focused, motivated, healthy, in good shape, he is an enormous talent. And I don't mean that as a joke, haha, because he's big <laughs> sometimes, but like, he is. He really is. And I feel like. We forget that, and now that he's free... He could be a better version of Joey Gallo. He, he absolutely could, and that's and that's the thing to keep in mind. At this point, when you're going, you're looking at the free players, it's not about taking the fifth starter or whatever, or this guy that might get saves. It's taking everyday players who could be huge returns, potentially. And again, if you think the Twins are going to be good, Sano's got to be a part of it, I think. Yeah. I want to add one more name that I forgot. Waiver wire, speed dial, Scott Kingery. You never know. I would hope so. It would be nice. That's another guy, too. Didn't do it right away, but you know. All right, do you have one more name for us that you're really excited about, Joe? Another guy for me is Keston Hira of the Brewers because that's a guy that he just does nothing but hit. And if he's going to play the outfield a little bit or they're going to find ways to move him around and get him more eligibility, at some point there's going to be injuries, at some point there's going to be openings, and I just feel like that guy's going to find a way or basically hit his way onto the roster at some point. So that's the last guy for me in terms of like younger guys. That's a good one. Yeah, if you've got a deeper bench, he's one of these guys that'll come up here and I'm not sure when it'll be. The Brewers want to compete, though, so they call up the best guys as soon as somebody gets hurt, and uh, he could play all over the diamond. You're right. I wouldn't be surprised if he bats 290 this year with double-digit homers, double-digit steals, and that's someone that you can get right off the waiver wire. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and again, not everybody's going to start with the team. I know sometimes we look like, hey, Mookie Betts was a second baseman. Nobody thought he would break with the team eventually. He hit his way on, and they put him in the outfield, and the rest is history, right? He was blocked by Pedroia. So you hit eventually, they find a way for you. <laughs> they find a spot. It's amazing how that happens, Bobby. All right, Joe, that's all for today's show. Really appreciate you coming on. It was a lot of fun. I loved your bold predictions, and I love that you're uh, Trevor May and uh, Miguel Cabrera guy. I love it. We are symbiotic there. We're going to need to have a party after the season when Trevor May wins uh, AL MVP <laughs> and Miguel Cabrera finishes second. I love it. I'm all about it. I'm all about that recap. It's always fun to talk baseball with you, brother. Could a closer ever win MVP like would they have to go the full season zero runs uh it would have to be something like that didn't Eric Gagne come close to it that one year it, he had that run where there was in the conversation or he got votes Raleigh Fingers I think got votes once too oh man yeah Eric Gagne finished sixth he gave up 11 earned runs and he finished sixth yeah Trevor if Trevor May goes 70 innings zero earned runs 130 strikeouts he's the MVP uh, that would be uh, there you go there's the boldest of the bold you did it bobby you're drunk on trevor may yeah that's a good way to end the show let everyone remember that right before their drafts if they're doing them late <laughs> all right guys that's all for today's show thanks to the sponsor of today's show tick pick where you can get 15 dollars off an order of 99 dollars or more by entering the promo code f pros 15 all one word at checkout for joe pisapia i'm bobby sylvester thanks for listening and enjoy your baseball